the blast from our past network. Podcasting After Dark presents TV Obscura, a deep dive into underrated and unknown television shows from our youth. Cartoons, sitcoms, cop shows, and much more. Sit back and enjoy some nostalgic fun with TV Obscura. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Podcasting After Dark Presents TV Obscura. I am one-third of the TV Obscura team, Corey Stevenson, a.k.a. Sleazy C. Joined with me, as always, is Zach Schaefer, a.k.a. The Snackage, a.k.a. The Total Snackage, a.k.a. Tiny T. And we also <laughs> and AKA? we also have uh, uh, every episode of TV Obscura, except for the very, very first one. We are joined by A. Diallo Jackson, a.k.a. The Armageddon. Gentlemen, it feels great to be recording again after a... Long hiatus for us, uh, ladies and gentlemen who are listening, probably didn't notice much of that uh, because we've been putting content out every week, but it's been a while since all three of us have had a chance to uh, talk face-to-face, and boy, oh boy, do I need this, so <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm, I'm excited. Uh, Diallo, what you been up to for the past month, my dude? Um, Not a lot. <laughs> you know what? I'll take that over what I've been doing, so... <laughs> Uh, I did do the uh, five uh, or top uh, five sword fights uh, over on. Is, uh, is one of them the penis scene in Skin Deep? Uh, definitely, no, definitely was not that scene. <laughs> Damn I did it. not pick. Damn it. I did not pick that one. Love that scene. Yeah, I saw that one. Uh, the Blast from Our Past. So yeah. you were over there with uh, Adam, yeah, and with John Adam and John. Doing, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So. Everyone go check out The Blast from Our Past, and I think that episode dropped about three or four weeks ago, something yeah. like that. It was yeah. a bit ago. Zach, you're busy, my friend. You have a new oh, dog. My gosh, I got a new puppy uh, named Fozzie, Pam as in Fozzie Bear, and um, super adorable, but she's five months, and you know how those babies are, baby. Mm. They, they, they get you, keep you on your toes, but... Uh, Whoo, Daddy! It's been a wild time since we last saw each other traveling and dodging COVID like uh, Keanu Reeves in The Matrix <laughs> or Trish Stratus in the WWE. She's back, baby! For oh, at is least she? One more match for one more match, allegedly. They always come back come for back one more, right? For one more, yeah. I saw if, so, if they're alive. Yeah. <laughs> speaking speaking of TV obscura, since we last recorded, Vince McMahon is no oh. is basically gone for life. Yeah. So. Uh, Gee, you think the guy who uh, profited off exploiting people possibly exploited people in real life? No. (laughs) Really? We'll have to save that for a wrap-up after dark uh, exclusively on Patreon. So for all you Patreon listeners, go check that out. If you're not a Patreon subscriber, please consider becoming one because it's worth every penny. And it helps uh, keep the lights on at all of our studios and uh, having us keep producing great content like this one. So, uh, or I assume, because we haven't actually recorded this episode yet. We'll find but all out the other in about ones have 60 been great. seconds. 
<laughs> so I guess um, the theme of this episode is animated teams. Not that we haven't done a collection of animated teams before, but uh, that I kind of requested us to do a animated show to sort of get back into things because they are a lot easier to prep for than our normal like hour long you know uh, uh, discussions. So we're doing we're doing back to back animated stuff. The last TV obscure that we had was an animated one, and this one's an animated one as well. So that means next uh, month we'll do a live action one, and we'll figure that out. But right now we are going to talk about first up will be Diallo discussing Battle of the Planets, a.k.a. G-Force, a.k.a. Gotcha Man, uh, 1978 through 1980. Zach will then be talking about Bionic 6, which was from 19... I think it was just 1987, right? It wasn't two seasons? Yes. Okay. A.k.a. Bionic 6. <laughs> Bionic 6. A.k.a. $6 million man. A.k.a. $6 million woman. A.k.a. Bionics. Bionics. <laughs> Bionic six. six. Um, and then I'm covering Cops, 1988 Not through Cox, 89. Not Cops, but Cops. <laughs> a- A.K.A. Cyber Cops when it was re-released in 1993. Oh, snap. Because the TV show Cops had already taken that name. Oh, yeah. So, Bad yeah. boys. Yep. And A.K.A. <laughs> Cops and Robbers from the toy line. That's right. So this um, two of the three of our shows have an AKA. Well, Zach definitely pounded the square peg into the round hole for Bionic 6. But, uh... I, do. I do. Everybody's like, that toy is ruined. And I'm like, that toy just became more usable for a wider audience. <laughs> so and, and it's teams, by the way, just in case. Corey might have said teens. He said teams. We're not doing teens. I I really tried on the second time I said it to really enunciate because it did sound like teens the first time. But, yeah, this is teams, a group of people, not an age range. Hey, guys, we're going to talk about kids today. Oh, my. (laughs) And we're done here. Ladies and gentlemen, it is over. Uh, Diallo. You want to kick us off with some Battle of the Planets? All right, here we go. Battle of the Planets. It gotta uh, catch them all. Started. Uh, it ran for eighty-five episodes um, in the United States. It ran for eighty-five episodes from nineteen seventy-eight to nineteen eighty. Um, it was in syndication. Um, initially up until 1980 and then it ran on tbs i think until like the mid 80s um so there's a long convoluted history about this show this was actually the second iteration of it um that appeared the first in the united states the original was called science ninja team gachaman kakaku ninja tai gachaman and that's it, impressive. Yeah, that's impressive. Diallo. Good job, buddy. <laughs> um, I know who I'm going with the Benny Hanna. <laughs> it was pre- uh, produced by Tatsunoko Productions in 1972 from 1974. So this is old school. Um, and it ran for 105 episodes, which is actually pretty. Uh, wow, that's a quite lot. A, yeah, quite a few episodes for only like two or three seasons. Um, so. The uh, Battle of the Planets starred five teenagers who lived in uh, Center Neptune beneath the sea 
who were called into action by a robot named Seven Zark Seven and went on missions in their ship, the Phoenix, into outer space to fight Zoltar and his sister, Mala Latras, and their evil organization, Spectra. This was a change from the original in that there were five teenagers who kind of kicked it wherever they wanted and wherever they happened to be, and they were called into action by Professor Nambu, a very human man, and they went on missions in their ship, the God Phoenix, around the world to fight Berg Katze um, and their evil organization, the Galactor. Um, so they're basically the same, but slightly different. <laughs> controversial. Is this controversial, Diallo? Yeah. Is this going to be a controversy? Yeah, it will. It will turn into a controversy. There's a lot of, uh, you know. You know, gatekeeping keeps keeps coming up for me uh, lately. <laughs> so there's elements of that that goes into it. But um, can you explain gatekeeping really quick? What what is gatekeeping? Just for for everyone that doesn't know what that is, myself included. Yeah, I you know, I mean, I don't know if I'm the right person because I'm not going to give the right definition because I don't have the same view. Like, on what's your definition though? So gatekeeping is sort of like um, it's the phenomena where you feel like you own something and like a TV show, Marvel Comics or whatever, and then it gets popular and you sort of like prevents people from wanting to enjoy the same thing as you. Gotcha. So lot. it's like with with rock and roll bands that happens a lot yeah. with like yeah. rock yes. bands like Tool back in the day. Oh, yes. oh I love Tool before they became right. mainstream. Yeah, it is. And then once they become mainstream, you just sort of poo poo on everyone who essentially just liked the same who now like the same stuff you liked just a t- you two years later or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's not it's nothing new. It's been happening since the dawn of time. But somebody came up with that name, gatekeeping, and then I feel like it's taken on like a, a different sort of aura because I don't necessarily feel like there's anything um, particularly morally wrong with it. I think it's a human impulse, um, but people have made that label. Therefore, you're not allowed to have these feelings <laughs> anymore <laughs> that uh, I don't you don't you shouldn't go out of your way to like prevent people from enjoying the things they enjoy. But. I think it's only human to have those feelings of having suffered um, your entire life getting beaten up because you read comic books and then all of a sudden the whole world loves comic books and you're just like, dude, I love these and people used to beat me up for it and now these people just get to celebrate it and get to make money and I'm still not making money my comics. <laughs> fair, fair point, fair point. I was, I'm still uh, waiting for uh you know, I, I, I'm still waiting for Spartacus and the Sun Beneath the Sea to get <laughs> popular so I can gatekeep that. But right. That's never going to happen. And there's that balance, right? Because it's like you want, like, I do want people to enjoy the things I enjoy. But then the, when everyone starts enjoying it, you're just kind of like, hmm. Uh. It's funny because I was talking to my nephew. Uh, he, he's got, like, a lot of tattoos and I don't have any. And he's like, well, what would you want? And I was like, well. If you asked me 10 years ago, or like up until five years ago, my number one tattoo would have been the Mandalorian symbol mm-hmm. that's on Boba Fett's, you know, shoulder pauldron. And uh, but now now that that's just everywhere because of the TV show Mandalorian, 
I feel less inclined to want to have right. it. Yeah. Uh, but yet, my entire life, I wanted it. So I don't know if that's reverse gatekeeping or if it's still sort of gatekeeping. But I do, subs- I, I do see what you mean. It is human nature that, like, okay, now that everybody loves it, and now I see Mandalorian stickers on people's cars and tattoos and stuff. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I wouldn't be so unique with it now. Therefore, I don't really want it anymore. Yeah, I think. You know, we kind of we were talking about it a little bit in one of our threads, uh, and I just I kind of feel like see I don't the the general nature of like don't gatekeep I think is valid, but I don't think it really calls into play a lot of the things that make us up as human beings. So a lot of that stuff is uh, it's tied into our culture. So yeah, yeah, um, and and our culture is the things that make up who we are, right? So when somebody else that's not a part of your group like kind of takes that, I'll use the word appropriates that, you feel a little sense of loss and like, oh, I like I was the one that cultivated that thing. And now, yeah. you know, and, and there's a balance because it's all irrational and like, you know, you actually don't own it, but you feel that sense of like, oh, I used to like that and somehow it made me different and special and I'm not special anymore. I think that's where yeah. it comes from, you know? Yeah. So yeah. it's like kind of good and bad. And sometimes it's okay. Like sometimes you're not supposed to gatekeep, but then when it comes to like, uh, like racial groups, then it's like bad. You can't gatekeep. Like if someone wants to go get dreads, um, and they're white, um, that I, I, I can't gatekeep that. Right. But, or you, you can't you can you can gatekeep that but then there's other things you can't you know so yeah, yeah. unless you're unless you're gary oldman in true romance because <laughs> right. he pulled that off like a mofo, like a mofo or yeah. or the lead singer for the offspring what's his name drexel or something no <laughs> you're, you're okay you're good in talk. genres of, you know like just and real quick though then you have the there's a the other phenomenon i think it's just why it really came up recently was the whole kate bush thing with the stranger things oh and that, okay and that in that case i actually agree that people shouldn't like like that quote unquote gatekeep over that so yeah because she's making a fortune now hallelujah yeah and, and so in the in regards to Battle of the Planets gatekeeping, it's like if you discovered it now and you're like, oh, this is really cool. And then someone's like, oh, well, I, I was into that back in the 70s. You know well, what I mean? There, well, there's actually like there's a there's layers of complexity to it in this case. Um, and a lot of it has to do with uh, like otaku and people that watch anime. And um, they're like in sort of like the pure form for them is watching um, a series that is uh, with the original Japanese and it's dub or as subtitled. So anything less than that is often kind of frowned upon. And then, mm. you know, obviously Battle of the Planets is the most edited version of all of the versions that have been out because they took away a lot of the more adult themes. Um, the original uh, Science Ninja Team Gachaman was darker, a lot more violence. Um, it actually had a lot of uh, there. Ha- there was like an environmental theme to it, um, and all of that was stripped away for the uh, American version. It was just kind of toned down a lot for young kid audiences, who I was the target demographic for that as a kid. Um, so. You know, kind of, but then in the time since, they made more and more versions, different versions. And so it's like, 
also it's not called battle of the planets it's g it's gachamon you know there's so there's that that sort of layer of gatekeeping that goes on with that so i kind of brought this one up and specifically wanted to do battle of the planets because i know some people will out there might be mad because no that's gachamon you know and um, okay you know, i get it yeah okay so. but but for you particularly you have a fondness for Battle of the Planets, like this version, right? Well, <laughs> it's actually kind of funny. It's a, it's a little bit of a long journey for me, but it'll always have a place in my heart because um, that's where I discovered it. Um, there's there's one element of it that actually has not been replicated, and <laughs> that's the uh, the opening theme music. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that was uh, actually composed by uh, Hoyt Curtin, who did like the Flintstones, Top Cat, the Jetsons, Johnny Quest, Smurfs, and he did the theme to Super Friends, the original Super Friends cartoon. If you actually go back and listen to Super Friends cartoon um, and then listen to the Battle of the Planets cartoon, they're like really similar. They're like almost they the are. same. I picked that up almost immediately when I heard it. Yeah. Because I, I, I've never seen this show before. And I was like, oh, that sounds really familiar. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but I actually, in the journey of this show, like I watched it as a kid, loved it, especially in the 70s and early 80s. Obviously, it wasn't really easy to find anime shows um, unless, I mean, they all just came on TV and you were just kind of like, you know, it's up to the licensing. Right. Um, and it wasn't until like the mid to late nineties when a lot of that stuff started coming over in mass. Um, and then, um, there was an original video OVA that was made of gotcha man as a three, three episode series. They think each one was about an hour or so. Um, and, um, it's sort of like remade the original, um, kind of summed up the entire series in three parts for like kind of like three movies. And that's when I sort of like reintroduced to Gachamon again because I was able to like sit down and watch it and watch it over and over. And then that's that was actually my first exposure to the original concept. So I knew the characters with different names. Um, and then when I got to uh, Gachamon 94, um, I was able to like discover their real names, like see what there there were actually storylines <laughs> that were taking place, um, and then in 2005, ADV Films released um, the original Gatchaman cartoon that was redubbed um, really brilliantly because they redubbed it with in a style that was reminiscent of the 70s. So it wasn't kind of like when they did the re the the redid the special effects for Star Trek the original series they made it so that it looked like it still could have like fit into the 60s. That's what they did here with the voices. So like it was just amazingly cool. well done. Um it there, there's a like kind of like quote unquote cheesy feeling to it but it feels like time and like perfect time and place. But that is the most faithful true to the original series. Um, so I actually watched those like 105 episodes. That was back when you could only get uh, videos, you had to mail in videos from Netflix. So that's <laughs> how I watched them all. Um, yeah, and that's when I really like, I got to actually have the actual Gachamon experience. Um, but yeah, I, I, I have like the soundtracks and um, I have figures and- um, Cool. Yeah, it's a, uh, 
it is a show very near and dear to my heart and watching you know it's actually one of the first sentai um shows so like um, not hentai yeah not, not hentai. definitely not hentai cool. <laughs> although i have seen hentai based on it for sure, sure you have <laughs> But yeah, so you know, like Sentai shows are like uh, Power Rangers, basically. So there's uh, oh, five, okay. usually five people, different kind of different color schemes. They have different, Is Voltron different Sentai? vehicles. Yeah, Voltron Sentai, different vehicles that kind of join up into one. Um, Gotchaman was one of the first like that. Um, it's obviously not quite like um, uh, Power Rangers and those other shows, but it, you can see like the nuts and bolts of how it evolved down the road. Cool. Yeah. So didn't have a giant. They didn't have a giant robot, but they often fought giant robots and um, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I, I noticed that like right away, it's sort of connections to Voltron. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I one of the things I actually liked about this was that the 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 them them the you know the gotchaman themselves the actual people did more of the action themselves than yeah. than in voltron where the action never really worked out and then they have to get into their their you know lions right. and then you knew the inevitable like they wouldn't be able to stop the creature until they'd formed voltron yeah. it was very you know systematic and even even as a kid i it kind of created a dis, disassociation from the characters for me mm-hmm. because they're not actually doing anything here i actually like the fact that they themselves were the 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 action centered around them, you yeah. know? Yeah, and it, you know it's actually interesting because I I so I watched Battle of the Planets as a kid, and then I I watched some much later, um, and then I haven't watched Battle of the Planets since maybe the early '90s, maybe if that, um, you know. And since I've watched the uh, the uh Gachaman 94 OVA and then the original Gachaman series. So going back and watching this episodes that I watched the other day it was so fascinating to watch how they how much they edited it um to get so that so the basically that character 7 Zark 7 who um I didn't get to go over the uh the voice actors yet but that voice uh that was uh, done by Alan Young who was in the Alan Young show. He was Wilbur in um, Mr. Ed, and he also um, Wilbur. Yeah, <laughs> I, dude. Oh, I Wilbur. by the way, I used to love Mr. Ed. Used to watch that on Nick yeah. at Night with uh, Hogan's Heroes. Two, oh yeah, pro- two yeah. of my favorite shows from back in the day. Yeah, totally. It's pretty. Yeah, backtrack to Mr. Ed. That's pretty wild that they had that show on for that long. Um, it's just like a guy at his talking horse and you <laughs> really couldn't do that show like today like nope. not that the subject matter is the risque or anything but it's like it's just a talking horse it's crazy it's, it's probably it's probably unhealthy for the horse because of the amount of uh, peanut butter that he had to eat to, <laughs> right, to, uh, to get his mouth to, to talk yeah <laughs> yeah um but he also played a, a, this might not mean anything to anybody else in the world but um the movie the time machine the 60s version by george paul is one of my all-time favorite movies with rod taylor yeah with rod taylor and he plays um the philbies they're uh um the traveler's um friend in the past and also a version of the traveler in the uh, actually in the 60s i think Oh, cool. Yeah. So anyways, he voiced a character called Seven Zark Seven, who was basically like a cross between R2-D2 and C-3PO. And he was made to kind of be a bumper between the scenes that were edited out. So you can kind of tell when you watch it now, because 
he does a lot of exposition. He does a lot of like telling you what Gachamon or the G Force is. Um, they're going off into space now. They're fighting these. So he gives a lot of commentary over the screen, and all of that was done just so that they could cut out all of the scenes that were deemed too violent for kids. I mean, he has one of the best lines in the the first episode where he's like, I pay special attention to the princess. I don't know why. Dude, yeah. that was super creepy. Um, yes. Uh, uh, there's uh, a And funny. Yeah, I, they, I, too, pay special attention to the, yeah. the princess, but I know why. There's another uh, voice uh, character, the, the, the computer uh, named Susan is voiced by a super woman. sexual yeah, computer. Super sexual. Yes. Like, yeah. hello. Yeah, it, it's so funny. Again, it's like Americans, we, I don't know, we're, it's, I guess it's kind of re- the reverse um, than it is now because they kind of tone down the violence and Americans are like, now we're like super violent. But like, if you put anything sexual on TV, it's like, oh, we gotta, we gotta edit that. It was like a little bit reversed here. So they cut stuff for kids, but then they had like super sexual um computer voice <laughs> and the robot that like he goes through the pains of telling you he he doesn't sleep or he doesn't eat but then he's like i don't know why i have a crush on this <laughs> on this chick <laughs> whose whose panties we keep staring at the, the entire time <laughs> yeah so um yeah the so real quick the um the voice the characters um the leader of the team is named luke um, he's voiced by the legend, Casey, the man, Kasem. Top 40. Was it top 40? Casey yeah. Kasem's top 40. He voiced Robin on Super Friends. Noon? Yeah. He... I have to go on go on, on at noon? Have you ever heard the outtake of him? No, he's like, no. You give me a goddamn dog dying. And you want and, and, and you want me go want me to go into a Kajagoogoo record or something like that. You know? <laughs> That's funny. And then he's like, join me at midnight or noon, and he's like, noon. <laughs> Anyways, sorry. I do love Casey me some Casey Casey. I know, dude. He I used to listen to the top forty. Uh, I, I used to love it when he would like get to the times when he would like do the dedication and he yeah, would just his voice would go down really low. And I was going through a tough time. And blah, 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 blah. And I'm going to dedicate this to you. It's you Google. <laughs> Too shy to shy. That's, that's why I do I. It was he uh, in the uh, Japanese version. That character was Ken the Eagle. Um, then the other character was named Mark, um, voiced by Ronnie Shell, who was on, who was uh, mostly known for the first uh, first few seasons of Gomer Pyle. He was Gomer Pyle's best friend. Um, he oh. he was named Joe the Condor in the Japanese version. Then there's Princess, who um, Princess. yeah, voiced by Janet Waldo. She was in Shazam. She's played Josie from Josie and the Pussycats, Penelope wow. Pitstop, and she was uh, played Cersei on an episode of um, of Thundar the Barbarian, which we all know wow. and love. Nice. And yep. that was originally she was the character June the Swan in the Japanese version. Then there's really weird. I don't know why they voiced him this way, but Keop is the boy. 
Um, again, the voice, genetically modified yeah, or engineered kid. Yeah, 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 genetic modified. It was a strange choice. No one really knows why they chose to voice him that way, but it's actually really iconic. I remember like me and my friends running around imitating him and. One of my good friends today, we kind of connected over that show, and he started just like whenever he got really drunk, instead of instead of speaking Hatties like, yeah, uh, like, like, like yeah. he would do like Kiop voice. Uh, nice, <laughs> <Yeah>. nice. <laughs> That's I, awesome. I approve. I approve yeah. of that. Yeah. Um, and in the Japanese version, that he was Jim Jim Pie the Swallow, and then lastly um, was the big guy Tiny, who was voiced by Alan Dinehart, who. Didn't have, like, any iconic characters he voiced, but he was on a lot of, to me, iconic shows. So he was on Studio 57, Plastic Man, Thundar, Heathcliff, Goldie Gold, and Action Jack, because that's a show I might do at some point here. Uh, the Mork and Mindy, Laverne Shirley, Happy Days cartoon, <laughs> Spidey and His Amazing Friends, Saturday Starcade. Um, and uh, Alvin and the Chipmunks. So, and he, nice. he was uh, Ryu the Owl on the Japanese version. Um, and then also, um, Key Luke, um, Japanese uh, actor, did the voice of Zoltar. Um, so, yeah, that. Key Luke was from uh, Kung Fu, I think. Yeah, yeah. And. You know, there's a, there's actually another another piece that is really interesting. The character of Zoltar. Um, in the American version is, uh, so in the Japanese version, Berg Katze is actually the, that, that same character, right? But they're kind of transgender. So Mm -hmm. sometimes appears as a man and sometimes appears as a woman. Cool. And the, obviously that's not going to (laughs) fly. (laughs) <laughs> the American version. So I think what they did was the scenes that that they were man it would appear Zoltar, but then they split into the sister, oh. Ma- Mala Latraz, which okay. um, if you spell Latraz back, uh, backwards, it's Zoltar. Zoltar, yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I, so, I can see why 1978 America was like, no, we can't, we can't handle that. Dude, I mean, I mean hand- like, we could barely handle transgender <laughs> yeah. in uh, in 2022. Yeah, I was about to say 2022 America can't handle transgender. That's another thing from like Robotech. That was another one. Yellow uh, Lancer, Yellow Dancer. I don't know if you remember that character, but it was like cross dressing transgender. Oh, yeah. And it was just like, here I am. And I remember being a kid, like, there they are. And I didn't freak out. And I just moved on with my life. Thought that was one of the coolest characters. But if that came on today, everyone would be like, why are you so woke? You know? Oh, if that came yeah. on today, it'd break the internet. Yeah. Have no, that. it would. It really would. And they people have a problem with that, but they didn't have a problem with uh, the, that Power Lord time, uh, the toy line Power Lords. You remember Adam Power? Yeah. When, he had like this creepy blue guy in the yeah, back yeah, of him. Yeah. And you're like, what? That's this, that's disgusting. You know, it's like this weird co-joined blue thing. And people are like totally fine with that, but can't have uh, transgender. What the fuck? Yeah. What? Yeah. I mean, like, like, by the way, everything you just said about that toy line was how I felt. I didn't want to play with those toys because they looked disgusting. <laughs> disgusting. So weird. <laughs> and then really they, weird. you know, four horsemen woke up and they made two different figures. Yeah. They made a, you know, but anyways, yeah. sorry. Yeah. But that's the, I mean, that, that is it. Like, um, you know, even there are so many elements of Gotcha. I don't know. I don't know that they started a lot of this stuff because I can like, 
you know, when I you watch like Ultraman, he raises his cap beta capsule, turns into Ultraman, and um, you know, there's other stuff in the past, but um, especially when we get to um, Bionic Six, there's a lot of stuff I was watching in Bionic Six that uh, definitely were from Gatchaman. Um, and there's some other elements, um, Centurions, yeah, oh, some yeah. other stuff that I remember. I was like, oh, yeah. And uh, Galaxy Rangers is another one. There's like a lot of yeah. concepts that they they use here. Um, oh, in that, that actually makes sense. Uh, Centurions would be a, a Scion or a Saiyan, Super Saiyan. Uh, uh, Sin, Super Sentai, yeah. Yeah, Sentai. Yeah. It, it would be a Sentai show, wouldn't it? Because they... They yeah they trans transmorphify and everything like that. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. That's I didn't even think Power about that. Good extreme. Point. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Okay. So it's like it is you know, I I kind of it's like it's it's this is a really weird one because it's actually obviously has a really deep rich history, probably a lot more well known in um, Japan um, as an iconic cornerstone than it is here. Um, obviously, people know it, but it's so convoluted and like you it's kind of like if you walked up to a random person they would never really have heard of it or if i said g-force they might oh is that the one with the bird people like they wouldn't really know if, if you said the name i guarantee that but if you showed them a picture of it i guarantee a high percentage would actually recognize it yeah um i never watched this show back in the day mainly because i think I was aware of how convoluted the the behind the scenes was, mm-hmm. and I just wasn't sure which version to watch. And then I was just like, "Well, I can I'll just go watch something else." But you can't go to comic book conventions in the '90s or swim in the anime slash cartoon world at all in the '90s moving forward without coming across Battle of the Planets, aka G Force, aka Gachaman, even before. Um, I think I don't think it was IDW. I forgot which uh, company put it out, but um, some company put out a comic book based on yeah. on the, the that this, and they kind of did. Uh, they try to combine all the the mythos and the lore to create one sort of standalone thing. And I, all I remember is that Alex Ross painted. Yeah, the I was covers. about to say Alex Ross. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was like good. he did the cover. He also did the covers for the uh, the DVD the blu-ray okay sets as well so cool yeah, i yeah. know he was a big fan of the show mm-hmm. um but gro- so growing up i've always been aware of it uh i don't i would say me personally i've always known it more as g-force yeah uh or maybe even gachamon whereas battle of the planets was not sort of on my radar as a name um and it wasn't until probably late 90s early 2000s that i realized that battle of the planets was the same thing right um because i'd heard of it before and so yeah, there's the the behind the scenes on this is is very convoluted, and there's there's quite a few YouTube videos out there that you could track down and watch that actually explains the entire history of it, and it is convoluted. But we're just focusing on the Battle of the Planet show because that's what we watched, and uh, I watched the first episode uh, that Diallo sent over, and honestly, I thought it was a hoot. Uh, I thought the animation was outstanding. I thought it was absolutely gorgeous. Um, I always loved the the designs of these characters. I even back in the day, I've always like, oh yeah, 
they're really cool looking. I, mean, I was like, I'm not going to, you know, watch it, but those are cool looking characters. And I still think they hold up. Like, as far as costume design goes, I think they hold up really well, especially Princess. <laughs> I think she holds up great. <laughs> of course. <laughs> uh, but the, uh, I thought, you know, the episodes that we watched, I, I thought the action was fun. Um, I thought... <laughs> Them kind of combining all of their vehicles, they don't really combine them. They kind of like scoop them up. Yeah, it was like like out of the twenty two minutes, it was like like eight minutes of the show was that. And I was <laughs> right. like, oh, you, I was like, you guys are real pad padding the time here, aren't you? <laughs> but it was fun. It was fun from beginning to end. Um, I liked the villains that they fought, but they felt more of like a down to earth terrorist organization, not a intergalactic terrorist organization and knowing that the original show was would took place on on the planet versus this one being called battle of the planets so like well we now we have to like make quote-unquote planets in it when they didn't really have any that makes a lot more sense to me um i would probably prefer to go back and watch that dvd you were talking about with the the new dubbed version and, and just watch it in its correct version you know yeah. because i i do even without knowing it you got the sense that that the episodes are piecemealed together and i actually liked seven zork seven whatever his name was like i was fine with it i thought hey he's funny he's enjoyable you know and i like zach said like zach pointed out i liked his little line i'm like okay okay we're going with a little sleeves <laughs> right here i can i can get on board with that um but it's it's weird because like would I want to watch Battle of the Planets again? Probably not. But I would. I want to watch Gatchaman. It's just the idea that we're getting a lesser than version. You know, it just makes me not want to watch it because knowing that so much is left on the cutting room floor. Now, granted, I guarantee you, there's a shit ton of people out there that love Battle of the Planets and would pick that, but probably because of nostalgic reasons, because it, it hits their nostalgic core. But as a new person, I'd probably want to go back and watch the actual correct version of it. But this was a nice way to sort of wet my palate and sort of get me accustomed to the characters and everything. Yeah, I, I'm echoing everything you guys have said already, um, feeling-wise about it. I've never seen this show. i been familiar with it since I was a kid would go to Japanese markets and see like you know little um little candies that had like stickers of the characters in them or something like that and always thought they looked really cool uh I remember seeing model kits in the 90s and and wanting them uh not even knowing what it was but just wanted it because I thought it was super cool and uh and I enjoyed the show I enjoyed, I didn't think it was that, like, I'm watching it going, not knowing the history that Diallo just described, I, I just, I went into it with, like, total cold feet and uh, fresh feet, I guess, and enjoyed it. Um, I, interestingly enough, uh, Bodhi watched it, all three with me, and he liked uh, Jason the most out of all the characters he thought he was like the coolest and like, well, he's kind of the bad boy. He's like, yeah, that's why I like him. Yeah, he was. Yeah. He's the, not gonna lie, I like Jason too. I thought he, he was cool, man. He was the coolest <laughs> one. He uh, he doesn't make it in the Japanese version. Oh, kind of like his his equivalent in Voltron, who uh, oh, doesn't yeah. make it past the, yes, the first. Yes, yeah, 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 the first Makes episode. Sense. Yeah. Uh, I noticed that Luke's uh, bracelet 
reminded me of Snake Plissken's bracelet in Escape from New York, the uh, the little tracking device thing. Huh. Uh, before it like transforms into kind of the signal sent out, it looks like almost looks the identical in a way. I know that was like an eagle on Plissken's uh, wrist, but this one was like less adorned with kind of articulation, but still was very reminded me of that. Um, I, I loved having the, I thought that was a nice fix to have the robot narrate the scenes. And actually, uh, I found it like kind of breaking the fourth wall and enjoyable yeah. and different. So overall, I, I, I like the show. I like the kind of kaiju looking monster in the beginning. Yeah. Um, and the whole time watching this, I'm like, oh, our buddy uh, Robert Ortiz, Patreon subscriber and friend of the show. I'm like, I'm sure he's he's seen this show. He's probably seen every single episode. Uh, Scott Zillner, mutual friend, oh, yeah. probably He's... owns every single piece yeah. of memorabilia <laughs> yeah. from this show. Yeah, <laughs> so it's, it's, this I, is from I, well within Scott's wheelhouse, I'm sure. Yeah, I remember being at a Comic Con not that long ago, and a dude, a full cosplay of all the characters, and it was how impressive. I still had never seen the show up until that point, but still was impressed with the uh, how articulate, like uh, articulated the uh, the cosplay costumes were. They were so fantastic so i know the show has a lot of history uh, and it's cool to finally see it and now i can go yeah i i know gachaman it's the same as pokemon and <laughs> it's pokemon. exactly the same you know zach you, exactly. you uh when you you made me think of this just when you were talking about it. i actually wrote this note down but i forgot to mention it um the uh, seven zark seven remember those scenes i, I can't, actually can't remember if they have them in this in this uh episode but they have uh, his little dog, the robot dog. Um, okay. Forget the name now. It's, it's like it's like Fido One Fido or something. Yeah, it was the same yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. Um, hold on, just one sec. My uh, there's an airplane flying by. I don't know if you can hear it. Can't hear it. But... Or a helicopter. It's okay, Zach. Zach has him fly overhead too. I just leave him in. It's all good. Oh, okay. Um, okay, yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, the, so the... Fuck you, <laughs> fuck you, Corey. <laughs> so the, um, so the dog character, actually, the robot dog character, Rover One. Um, Rover is, One, yeah, there you go. The dog character actually, as I was watching it, this time, I was like, that really reminds me of K-9 from Doctor Who, and then I, I looked it up, and actually... K9 debuted a year before this came out. So K9 debuted in 77 uh-huh. and uh this came out in 78. So I was like, oh, they got you, man. They yeah, they totally got you. Yeah, so I <laughs> caught that uh caught that little connection. So they definitely were trying to pull the kids in. I mean, uh, there were so many allusions to Star Wars uh the you know um the name luke yeah come on luke. Yeah, luke princess i mean even as a little kid i knew what they were doing um yeah, yeah. Well, fun fact star Wars fun eyes. fact han solo's real name is mark solo so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah my my question was though uh, based on the episodes that we watched when they turned into fiery phoenix form mm-hmm. uh seven zark seven said they can't turn back for 24 hours so are they stuck in in that mode for is that a part of the the storyline like once they use that phoenix thing they can't turn back or something no absolutely not they i i can't remember exactly what like if there were any rules placed on the orig- on the japanese version but they would 
it, it was always like a last resort. They they it it's not like Voltron where that was they used it every episode, but they right. used it semi frequently. And just when it was over, it went back. It reverted back to the regular um, Phoenix ship. And it when they were in that um, when they were in the fire mode, they you could see them like all the stress and the yeah. ship being torn apart kind of stuff. But yeah, it wasn't like. I don't know if there was, like, a time limit placed on in the Japanese one, but they never, like, it wasn't, like, a thing that they called on all okay. often, so, yeah. Okay. My my only final takeaway is that uh, that show needed a good brand manager here in the U.S., and I think the, the most of its faults uh, lie in its, its brand mismanagement at this point. Like, what is the name of it? You know, like, everyone has all these different ideas of what the name is, what it's about. I put all of that fault on brand management. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. It's like back in 1972, like, they just weren't on licensing like they are now. You know, we I mean, we encounter that in almost every live-action show we do when it just comes to the music, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and... Yeah, it was just like a mishmash of who had the rights and this person got the rights and then it was popular. So I think um, who uh, who who did uh, the Sabam Saban Entertainment? Yeah, like did uh, Galaxy Writers? I think it was. Oh no, Eagle Eagle Writers did another version, but they used footage from like um, Gatchaman Two and Gatchaman Fighter which were the sequels, but they had different mecha in them. So they okay. were able to like, okay. and it was that. So it, it was just back when the first deal was done, the rights were all over the place, but actually they all reverted back to Tatsunoko in the early 2010s, I think. So they okay. have all of the rights now, which is why it's actually going to be really hard to find the Gachaman um, Blu-ray. Um, mm. But... Uh, they that also m- means we might get a new one as well. Though, yeah, at so. some point. And there's probably like a, a Japanese version out there as well. Um, okay. And then there's a <laughs> there's a live action movie that came out in 2013, Japanese. Uh, I haven't seen it. It's really hard to track down, um, but I heard it sucks. Is it called Crappy Mon? I, I heard it sucks. So. <laughs> well, Does when it you- star Jared Leto? Jared Leto's in it. Yeah, and, uh, he plays all five characters, actually. He does. <laughs> even princess yeah and Jen, james franco shows up and he's like hey where's all the ladies at and people are like nope, <laughs> nope. well when you when you picked this one i knew it was going to take us a while to get through the the backstory and everything yeah. around it um but yeah i think at the end of the day it's still worth checking out and the animation still holds up well and I think we can all agree that probably watching the original version would be the ideal way to go at this point. Amen. No Amen to that. Hey, everybody. Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. Imagine being one of the last people on Earth, being trapped alone with something not human, something Always watching. Something. Always waiting. What would you do? Where would you run? Where would you hide? If you were haunted. For seven winters alone. Podcasting After Dark presents Seven Winters Alone. A dystopian haunted house story by David Irons. Available now in paperback and ebook.
And now, back to the show. So, Zach, are you ready to talk about Bionic 6? Bionic, Bionic 6. Oh my sure. god, that dude, I would I've been singing that all day long. It's a great song and a great way to kick off a, an amazing cartoon. How can you not? I mean, we'll we'll get to uh, the guys who came up with the theme song, but uh, yeah, Bionic Six is a, uh, believe it or not, fairly lesser known uh, tele- television cartoon from 1987. Uh, it was produced by Universal, and I think it was actually featured originally on the USA Network, but it was uh, syndicated as well. Ran for 65 episodes. They say it ran for two seasons, but I think it's really one, if you think about it. Um, you know, it, one year, really, of, 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 of shows. Um, the, to, I mean, I was kind of blown away when I did a little bit of research on this show to find out that it was supposed to be kind of the direct result of the $6 million man and $6 million woman getting married, having a family, and this is their family. Uh, I didn't know that until like today (laughs) but the show is about you know these six characters who all have abilities uh the six characters there's a mother there's a father and then there's four siblings uh the the father is jack and the mother is helen uh they've got a multi-racial family bungie jd eric and meg and fluffy their robot and so I would say I think we were joking offline before we recorded that the the previous episode that that we did uh, was Bill. I my pick was Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures, and definitely not a 2022 woke show. This is definitely a 2022 woke show. Um, just as far as their the depth of the characters and the diversity and the awareness. Uh, the first episode that I had everybody watch is called Valley of Shadows and it concerns um, JD who's the uh, African-American uh, kid in the group uh, kind of on a on his story arc is he they're in they're searching for this uh, mystical land of Arcadia uh, in Africa and he's kind of the centerpiece of this episode it's a really beautiful episode actually I think it's really well done uh, I'll more on that in a second, but they battle uh, the Bionic Six battle this character, Doctor Scarab, uh, and his evil minions. Some of which are called Mechanic. <clears throat> that's a stretch. <laughs> and Glove. Uh, that's a stretch too. Uh, later episodes, they're joined by Madame O and Chopper and Clunk. Um, yeah, not a lot of depth there. But the nevertheless, this show boasts a pretty amazing um, kind of behind the scenes people. The creator is Ron Friedman. Ron Friedman uh, was a writer for Transformers and G.I. Joe, among other things. He also worked on the Marvel Action Hour and Iron Man and Fantastic Four. And he wrote Transformers the movie. The man is a god, in my opinion, because I think Transformers the movie is one of the best uh, 80s animated movies of all time. And as far as a faithful adaptation of a TV show, it's probably one of the best, 
as far as not because it doesn't parody. You know, when people talk talk about when people talk about faithful adaptations of shows, they're sometimes they they delve into the parody land, like the Brady Bunch, right? The Brady right. Bunch movie's great. It really, I think it is, but it's a total parody of the show. Or Beverly Hillbillies is a parody, but Transformers the movie is such a legitimate, kick-ass, faithful continuation of the story. And you know, if you think about it, like finale, what should have been the finale of the story. But but Ron Friedman is the creator of Bionic Six. Um, the voice cast for this show is phenomenal. Just I'm gonna throw out a few names, and you're gonna go, oh yeah, I know that guy, Neil Ross. Yep. Alan Oppenheimer, yep. Frank Welker, right there. Those are three names that are synonymous that you've heard on the show before. If you don't know who they are, then you're listening to the wrong show. Go back <laughs> and listen to our earlier episodes because we brought up all, all three of them. Of them. Uh, and the last one is Brian Tochi. Brian Tochi, you know, I think a lot of people will remember him from uh, the Revenge of the Nerds movies as uh, Toshiro Takahashi. Or Takashi, sorry, and the Police Academy films, uh, and also Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. He played he Leonardo. The voice of Leonardo in the first three, and in my opinion, the best voice out of all of them. Uh, but the guy is a phenomenal voice actor as well, and he's on this too. Um, this show, it's people often say like, why didn't this? Why isn't this show more well known? You know, it had the animation is ridiculously good it's on par with um i mean we uh, diallo mentioned it earlier centurions and uh, uh galaxy rangers like that kind of level of animation and i don't know why people didn't turn into tune into it as often as they probably should have uh the toy line was different because it it boasted as being like uh, all metal and die cast with like they had glow in the dark plastic pieces on their body that kind of shone through. Yeah, the translucent um, pieces. I always liked the toys for these. I thought they were really cool looking with those train. I am a sucker for translucent uh, toys, plastic pieces. I don't know why. Same and Me same. Too. Like like the old Tron toys, the yeah. original Tron toys. Yep. Yeah. Tron. Do you yeah, remember and, Crystar, the Crystal yep. Warrior? Christ, mm. Crystar from Remco were, was a badass toy line. Uh, I don't. I, they should have had a cartoon for that. They had a, a comic had book, a comic, I know. Yeah, yeah. but um, Marvel, Christar yeah. was great. But yeah, the the Bionic Six figures were really really cool looking. Um, they were produced by LJN, and there's kind of a history. LJN kind of went down the tubes because of EnterTech. Yeah. EnterTech came yeah. out, and kids. I mean, the toy line was great, but unfortunately, kids were getting killed by cops because the guns were too authentic looking the, the 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 gun water guns that they put out we've talked about it before yeah. i think we talked about it in our obscure toy episode we, Corey. we we did I. buddy yeah I, I had a few intertech guns growing up um i had like the m16 i had like an uzi and i of uh, course had the jack burton uh one from big trouble in little china of course and i hated when i was a kid i hated when they went from black to the the crazy colors but yeah. now i am so ravenously nostalgic for those crazy intertech colors that that would be the only version i'd want now you know but yes, yeah, Inter I, I would, but Intertech almost sank L LJN. It really did, and the toy line tanked. Unfortunately, it was really cool though. They had like, so uh, besides the fact that they had a bunch of vehicles and a playset that looked great, 
uh, and they go for a lot of money on eBay now. By by the way, the uh, the toy the the villains oftentimes in a in a in a new cartoon the villain line would come out and they'd only release like maybe two or three of the villains, right? And then like six of the heroes. This released uh, six villains and six well seven heroes, including Fluffy, the big uh, mechanical robot uh, in, in the family. And what I also love about it is they had female characters in the toy line. And that was kind of surprising for the mid to late 80s. They didn't do that all that often. I think G.I. Joe, as far as I know, well, G.I. Joe and and He-Man, I think, were were one of the few toy lines that included the female characters from the show as well. Because oftentimes you watch the cartoon and, and these toys were, the cartoon was all about selling toys, right? the if they're not going to release the female characters like they didn't do that for mask they didn't do that for cops which you're going to talk about in a little bit uh they didn't do that for a lot of toy lines they didn't release the female characters and like but that she's an integral part of the story like why don't you do that well they did that for this because it was a family right um the uh, really quickly the 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 bionic six had uh besides their kind of normal names they had kind of cheesy nicknames um like sport one and karate one you were naming their name names and i'm like who are these people i know them all by their superhero names or whatever. yeah <laughs> I so know karate one and yeah. sport one yeah sorry yeah so so obviously cheesy. what are you talking about well, or, or rad nowadays, I guess you should say. Yeah, Neil Ross, who's the voice of uh, Shipwreck. He was the voice of Fluffy. Brian Tochi was Bunjiro, but also known as Karate One. Uh, Frank Welker was Glove. He was also a mechanic, too. Um, remind me, Corey, to bring up the, the parallels between some of the villains in Bionic 6 and Cops. Um, Samantha Paris uh, played Rock One, a- a.k.a. Meg, uh, Meg Bennett. Uh, Jack Bennett is the main Mega, hero. Wow, uh, she was also from she was Roxy in Jam. Truly oh, okay. outrageous, nice. Ooh, Jam. Truly uh, outrageous, truly, truly, truly outrageous. Whoa, Jam. Carol, <laughs> I, love that, I love that song. By the way, love that song. One of my actually one of my favorite '80s uh, theme songs was the Jam. The, mu- oh, the music's contagious, right? It is. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it's so good. It's, it's outrageous. So good. If, it's if, if we ever can get, if we can ever get Fern on this show, we should just cover Jem because he knows Jem so well. I'd yeah. be a hundred percent down with that. One hundred um, and thousands. Carol Bilger plays Mother uh, Helen, aka Mother One, and I'm like, oh, Mother One. So where's going to be Mother Two and Mother Three and is there going to be a mother four? Maybe. Maybe there is, <laughs> depending on how many marriages Jack has. Um, Norman Bernard played JD, a.k.a. IQ. I'm wondering if they gave him IQ in, instead of, like, smart one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe because that could be racist because he's African-American and who knows. Um, oh, he's the smart one. That would have been totally racist. But karate one is not racist. Not racist okay sure uh <laughs> and then john stevenson plays jack bennett aka bionic one um he played thundercracker on the transformers and he colossus and spider-man and mr arable and charlotte's web great voice actor great 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 voice actor um he played professor x on a uh, uh pride of the x-men oh, wow. uh, nice. tv movie um so anyways 
I don't want to talk too much about Bionics outside of that. Um, well, I just real, want to men- before you leave the, um, the the people, I just wanted to I noticed that Jennifer Darling, who played Madam O, she was actually on uh, the the Bionic Woman as Peggy Callahan. That's awesome. Oh, wow. That's awesome. This show, uh, yeah, it, it's it's. I gave the guys uh, a link to the Daily Motion episodes. I don't. You can find some of the later episodes on YouTube. I've never seen. I haven't seen every single episode of these, but I know one of the last episodes is they go into this alternate kind of cartoon universe where they see cartoon versions of themselves. It sounds phenomenal. I want to. I want to watch it now because it sounds kick ass. So, anyways. I think Bionic 6 is great. Uh, I was hesitant to bring it to the show because I really wanted to do another one, which we will get to down the road. Um, but I'm glad I did because I had a lot of fun with it. What yeah. did you guys do with it? This was a show that I, at some point, might have done myself. So I have great love for this. It It's actually a show like in... When I hear people say that it's like super obscure, to me, it does not compute, although I think it is obscure. I agree. I actually think it is obscure, but it doesn't compute because like I watched it all the time. <laughs> like I remember when it was on, I watched it where um, where I lived. It came on, um, I think it was on in the mornings on TV 44, KBHK. It sure cable, was. Cable Daddy. 12. Yep, um, syndicated. Yeah, I used to watch it in the mornings. And um, yeah, and we'd like, go to school, talk about it, whatever. Yeah, it yep. just, um, it's a show that, like, it, it just, it has all these, like, again, with Gatchaman, it has all these elements that I always seem to be drawn into, like, like the super team, kind of hidden powers um, you transform into, like, your superhero. Uh, form. Um, I liked the aspect of the multiracial family. Um, yeah, same. And um, I, I get, you know, like it's so woke. Like it's just I keep I keep coming back to that because that whole thing is ridiculous. It's hilarious, but goddamn, it's true, right? Like yeah. you could show this now, and people would be like, "Oh, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah." yeah. 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 It's like a it's like a reflex people have now, but it's like this has always been around. All this stuff's always been around. But, yeah but um yeah i and it's but it's like in this category where i watched it religiously all the time as much as i could um years later i found it on like right when internet was like kind of taken off I, I i was able to find it on like some obscure sites that were streaming uh tv sh- like cartoons and i would watch it there um but there's one episode in particular that i remember well and it is an episode where there's a concert with this band called the Bandroids. And they like sing this rock song. <laughs> Bandroids, Bandroids, we know what to do. We are here to play our songs for you. And they had like. It's <laughs> awesome. It was just, a, it's just like, it was one of those Makes shows. Cold Slither look terrible. Yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> it was one of those shows that, I guess like all of those shows in the era, like the story could, like went all over the place. Yeah. Um, but, like that was just like an example. I think Galaxy Rangers had that like concert, like pseudo reality I'm concert. I'm sure they too. did. That, that, um, that's such a like, we got to have a concert episode. Yeah, in that era. 
Um, it was, but one of the things about that uh, concept or family that I always felt was intriguing was I always wanted to know why, like, how did they get their powers? What was the deal? Um, why are they a family together? Like the the voiceover that they give at the beginning kind of gives you like a like super 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 high level um brought together by fate uh like yeah. but what happened i want to know how these how this couple adopted these kids i'm assuming they're adopt all adopted um yeah yeah i just wanted to know that you know i wanted to know the mechanism of how their bionics worked what caused them and i actually do feel like there was an episode where they kind of talked about that at some point but they did. Yeah. yeah. But I wanted I wanted like basically like if you were to do it again or like if I, if I got hired tomorrow to do the comic book, I would spend a lot of time on like their origin story, basically, because I was, I was always really into that. Like I wanted to know like how it worked, why it worked, you know, uh, outside of like, you know, uh, one kid liking sports. So he's sport one, you know, the Asian kids karate. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, sport one. Yeah, and before Corey chimes in, I, I just want to bring up, uh, th- th- you brought up a really good point of something that I may have said before that I feel like the other two shows did well where they kind of gave the backstory in the first episode, but this one did not. you got to wait till future episodes to find out kind of backstories of the characters. I, I know it's not always kind of staged out the way it's supposed to be, and like in the case of Spiral Zone, I was their about pilot to mention, was like yeah, episode was eight or something yeah. like that. But come on, man! Like, you know, if if you did this today, you'd have to have that pilot episode to just kind of nail in where we're going with these characters, and then the second episode, you can have your rock concert or. You know, in the case of the first episode, you're you're chasing a fountain of youth kind of amulet. Um, you know, yeah, it's and interesting. even the dialogue in the first episode implied that they had already crossed paths with the villain and everything. And uh, to your point, I would also add uh, Citizen Ghost from the real Ghostbusters, which was like halfway through season one. But but that episode told the backstory of like how they met Slimer and and the events that happened immediately after um, the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man and how they had to get their new costumes and everything. And and it's still my favorite episode of the real Ghostbusters, same. but it's the same. It's it, it should have been the very first one, but it wasn't. Yeah, and and kind of going along with the lines of the the way the season worked by with Bionic Six, I'm now gonna mention uh, Sport One <laughs> <laughs> and who played him. Uh, uh, Steve Sanders from 90210. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, so uh, Sport One, a.k.a. Eric, uh, is also play- he's played by the actor Hal Rail. Hal Rail actually has a very extensive voiceover career. He played Shrapnel in the Transformers of the movie, Snarl, uh, one of the Dinobots, yep. right, in the Transformers cartoon, Arzon and Visionaries, another phenomenal cartoon, in my opinion. Which we and the Predator, the voice of the Predator in Predator 2. Oh, hey. yeah. <laughs> so it's I had to throw that in there before you jump. Sorry, Corey, I didn't want to delay your thoughts anymore. So <laughs> no, please, no Corey, worries. Unload on us, if you will. Yeah, but Bionic 6, um, just like... Battle uh, Battle of the Planets, aka G Force, uh, was a show that I was aware of, um, but Bionic Six, I don't think I could find it. Um, I feel like, and I, I don't know for a hundred percent sure, but I feel like it was on either too early for me to watch or it was like a Sunday one or something. But I remember seeing it, 
but never able to actually catch it. So it was fun to actually watch Battle of the Planets and this for the first time to both being shows that I knew existed but have never seen. This one, spoiler alert, was actually my favorite of all three of them. Um, Zach, going to what you were saying, I am glad you went with this one ultimately because I thought it was great. I loved the vibe of it. I loved the whole family aspect of it. Um, I don't need a backstory as to why they're a family. You tell me that you all are a family, then you're a family. That's it. I'm I'm okay with that. You know what I we're mean? We're a family. They we're fight family. for them. They fight for me. There you go. And and like Zach just said, we're a family. You know, I, I don't think you need to explain it, you know. So what I really loved about it, weirdly, I liked the designs. I liked their costumes. Oh, hell yeah. I, I liked how they felt like a team. So um, good. And, and I always kind of like yellow and black as a sort of a, a main uh, color scheme. I dig that. But I also dig how they also like their costumes sort of altered a little bit for what they were and all that kind of stuff. So you could immediately tell who was who. But I like how they still stayed together thematically and i mean it's a cartoon you you gotta like the visuals you know as at a first glance uh the animation the opening was fantastic the the music fan fucking tastic zach you didn't you didn't say who the composer was no i was was waiting for you i was waiting for one of you guys to bring it up (laughs) so i'll just say he he did a lot of stuff and but uh, but the reason I'm tapping my my toes and snapping my fingers, he's also the guy that created the Gummy Bears uh, uh, theme song. Which after Jim and the Hologram, uh, so Gummy Bears, Jim and the Holograms, and Mask are probably my three favorite theme songs from the '80s. Um, and he did the Gummy Bears. So the theme for this was great. Uh, the opening animation was great. But I was pleased to find out that the in-show animation was just as good as the rest of the as the intro it was kind of like the mighty orbots that diallo yes. brought uh, about a year ago for us to discuss and uh, that show we love the fact that the in-show animation was as good as the intro animation and i think it's because at this point we're so used to shows like uh, thundercats where the intro animation is stellar, it's a 10, but then the in-show animation's like, come on guys. Thundercats is like a 6. It's it's really bad. <laughs> yeah, um, wait till we wait till we get the tiger sharks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was happy that that the animation was good in in Bionic 6. Um loved their powers. I love that they're essentially robots, at least if you check out you know leader one or guy papa one he's all robot inside yeah um, and he looks badass leader one that skin <laughs> yeah rip that skin <laughs> off baby diallo got that reference um but so go my, my question so going into this show and as a kid never knew i was like is this at all related to bionic woman and six million million dollar man I, I never understood if it was then all, all, everything tells us that it is and that it was incepted to be that. But then why is her name Helen and her name uh, and his name? They're both different than the original shows. Because they didn't have the rights. Okay. So then it's not really the, the, the $6 million man and the bionic woman then, right? Like, I mean, I not. never, as a, I was a big fan uh, of both of those shows, like, Six Million Dollar Man was actually one of my first 
TV like loves <laughs> and big fan of Bionic Woman and watching Bionic 6 it actually never crossed my mind that it was supposed to be those two um, but I, I get how if you were to create a show called Bionic 6 you would sort of use that idea that template just like you know um, the boys uses Justice League or whatever right um, yeah um, but uh, it's a springboard it's, it's, yeah. it's almost like a what if yeah yeah, but okay. I never, I mean, and I could be wrong, but I, I've never interpreted it as being like that's supposed to be, you know, Steve Austin and Jamie Summers if they had kids. Um, besides, they had a dog on the original, and that's all they need is a dog. Uh, Max. Yes. Max, and, the bionic and, dog. And I don't think that it has to be at all connected for there to be any kind of enjoyment because I think it's a stand, this is a standalone thing, um, and I'm fine with that. It's just, I just found that in my brain to be a little bit convoluted yeah it was a it was a creative choice ultimately and it makes me makes me wonder you know because maybe the because those two shows were geared it was in the evening you know even though it was kids watched it it was still more of a evening show for like a families i guess and maybe more for adults Maybe that they wanted to separate it a little bit and make this more just kid overall kid friendly. They were is also a uh, Bionic Six was like a decade after yes. both those shows. Also, so, they were so they didn't yep. feel the need to connect it because it's like what's the sort of what's the point? But I get that it was like maybe incepted. Yeah, as like, as yeah. that idea easily. I mean Bionic Six, like yeah. Six Million Dollar Man, Bionic yeah. Man. Yeah, definitely, but. Yeah, I I don't know that there were like any direct ties to it to the original shows. Okay, and I I do want to point out that Thomas Chase and Steve Rucker were the voice uh, the composers behind the theme song. Um, I just really quickly want to list off some of the shows that they did besides the Gummy Bears the that you brought up. Classics, classics. Real Ghostbusters, yeah. Alvin and the Chipmunks, uh, Freddy's Nightmares. Mm. Um, what else? Uh, we're looking at Johnny Quest, Captain Planet. Uh, I mean, like that that alone is a pretty phenomenal resume. But then you go into Powerpuff Girls and Dexter's Laboratory and the Scooby-Doo in 2005 and the Batman in 2005. Like, you know, you're getting into like overall it's been amazing. The, yeah. Their resume is phenomenal. And, and speaking of Captain Planet, like this does feel like a direct precursor to captain planet totally. you know with, with the yep. but, but I, I liked the fact that they were like i said like a family or they were a family not like a family they were a family like a multi-ethnic family i thought that was just fantastic i love that my my last thought i had you know thinking about why why didn't this show sort of last and all this kind of stuff and you know comparing this to you know gi joe easy transform easy mask uh, you know, I, I'm talking about the villains. And I think in this show, what holds this show back is how uninspired the villains are, unfortunately. Like, how about this? Why? Don't why? You... Why? Because why? the guy's name is Glove? Yeah. It's, it's, it's bad. No Glove, and, no love. And just at, at a glance right now, Diallo, are you talking about, like, what if you were to write it today? I would make the villains be like this, like, ultra- like like environmental group or something where they're against cybernetic enhancements, you know, like they're all quote unquote natural or something like that. So they don't shave, but um, like like they're, <laughs> but they would essentially be against 
cybernetic enhancements, whereas, you know, technology versus non-technology. Whereas these villains here, they just, man, they felt like rejects from every other 80s cartoon we've ever seen. And that, I think, is what really holds some of these shows back from from really standing the test of time because your your protagonists here the the bionic six they're fantastic they're beautifully designed beautifully acted uh you, you know where they're coming from you can get behind them and then the villains are just a dud and you're like okay that's i think that's why it doesn't last but that you know but that's just me and again and that is coming from someone who this is their favorite show of the three that they watched, and I loved all three of them. So that I don't know what that says. I think tied into what you're saying um, with the the villain design, and we talked about this with the other show. Uh, the and was it in Humanoids? Uh, yes, yes, yeah, we did. Um, and I, oh no, no, in Centurions. Yeah, in Centurions. Oh yes, they yeah. had yes, shit, yeah. yes, yeah. We yeah. hated the villains there. Yeah, and I think it was like tied into like sort of like the reverse because I remember saying this with Centurions, the strength of the hero designs actually saved that toys. Yeah, but yeah, the, the case here, like it, it died because of the toy line not doing well, and it like yeah. it, even I watched the show and like I the toys barely existed in the stores when you went to go see them, but they the, yeah, yeah they were not popular. Yeah, but the villain to- the villain um, figures just yeah they weren't anything that you like kind of wanted to get. Like uh, I just have a friend he. Uh, just bought the entire, the entire original run of Star Wars action figures. And I was looking at all the pictures and I was like, man, I had a lot of the villain figures, right? Like you had a lot of those stormtroopers, TIE fighter pilots, snow stormtroopers. I had the, uh, you know, the Imperial uh, officers and like they all looked cool. So I would get those as well. But in the case of this show... I just never really wanted to even bother. And then especially with the gimmick, the gimmick of that, like they are made of metal, but then there's like those, that one part that's translucent. So that's like their entire gimmick for the toys. Mm-hmm. How does that translate into glove? Is his fucking hand translucent? Like, how does that translate into the villains? You know what I well, mean? Yeah. yeah and, and the glove figure looked like, uh, like an old lady versus the guy in the cartoon <laughs> who actually looked kind of cool. Kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and I think to echo what you both are saying, uh, if you look at so many of these cartoons, the, the villains are all the same, like centurions, same as this, uh, you look at toxic crusaders really as much as I love it, the same captain planet, the same, they've got like this kind of large in charge, bad guy. And then they've got this bumbling, the, at least one character is a bumbling idiot, right? Who, who makes goofy noises and actually cops, uh, thankfully doesn't, go that route but they do have some of those cliched element characters too you know where you're like oh you gotta have the dumb one in the group who makes the stupid choices you know yeah. but he's really strong and and it's Beast like man yeah they're going with the what they're going with a, a playbook that marvel and dc i'm sure you know uh just made so well but they just didn't think out those characters enough so that's For- it 
First of all, I take umbrage with uh, you calling out Toxic Crusaders because I adored the uh, the grunts. Doctor Kilimoff? No, I like the grunts. I the the, the toxic grunt looking dudes. They yes. were some of my favorite toys I've ever. They were some of my favorite toys that I never owned, and I loved their design. Well, look, I umbrage. Own, I, I take umbrage. I actually, <laughs> I actually own, and I'll have to send them to you. I own all those characters. They still have the entire Playmates line of the Toxic Crusaders figures, um, and and I will give them. I will give some to you. I will send some up to you. But yeah, you know what? Maybe I take that back. Captain Planet, though, Captain Planet for sure had a lot of cliche kind of characters. It's just like one-offs, and they they're not memorable, you know. Um, G.I. Joe broke the mold with with cliche characters when it came to cartoon TV shows. So I, I mean, us doing this show, um, especially whenever we talk about the the animated stuff, it does really put into perspective why Transformers and, and He-Man and G.I. Joe were the ones that really exploded. And I do think if you look at all three of them, they all had strong villains that we could all get behind. And yeah, Diallo, I'm like you, man. I had so many more Star Wars villain toys than I did uh, the hero characters. And I think every great story needs a great villain. And if you doesn't matter how cool your hero is, if your villain is lame that it'll never ever take off in my opinion. The best villain. Last thing I want to add in really quick before we wrap up Bionic six, did you guys, uh, so the, the, the episode that I, that I had recommended to you, uh, the Valley of the Lost. The Super Woke episode. Yeah, the Super Woke Valley of Shadows. Sorry, the Valley of Shadows episode. Uh, it opens with the with the kids eating or about to eat something strange and yeah. green in the refrigerator, yeah. <laughs> right? And it closes on the, the kids uh, being served something gra- strange and green from their dad yeah. with these like little raisins in it or something. I'm looking at it and I'm going, that's the same green surprise that in Better Off Dead, Lane Meyer's mom gives everybody that moves on the plate and moves off the plate. I'm like, that that's totally ripped off from Better Off Dead. I'm just telling you right now, look at the two scenes and you'll be like, yep, Zach's right. So there you go. Well, I had a great segue into cops talking about the action figures, but uh, that was like 15 minutes ago that, that Zach brought up the, the action figures. So we'll just jump right into it. Hey everybody, Corey here. I just want to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. On the winter solstice, when the lasting darkness threatens to descend upon the land of Atalan once united, Magi in training, Wilt Garen, and his shepherd, warrior in training, Bredain Adair, must find an ancient lost weapon before the ultimate ancient evil returns to the world of Aeos. Hi there. I'm A.D. Jackson, writer of the First Noel's Chronicle podcast. The First Noel is an epic, family-friendly adventure told in serialized form. Think of it as Lord of the Rings meets, well, Christmas. Join us each week for the next thrilling chapter of The First Noel, now available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, and all major podcasting apps, as well as Kindle Vela if you want to take a read. Thanks, and see you in Adelan. The winter tell is almost here. And now, back to the show. 
and now I, I got the helicopter above me. So <laughs> yeah, I was. Well, oh, you guys are so close. It was probably it's probably the same goddamn helicopter. I actually texted my friends as I was like, did it sound? Because I could hear sirens and stuff in the background, yeah. and I'm like, I was like, hey, something's going on over here. Can you tell me? And they now, said, Dallas right here. They's He's right here. Yeah, like, right. Yeah, just the camera over. pans over, and Dallas is right next to you. <laughs> <laughs> no, they said that there is a. There's a man, a man, a man, a suspect was last seen on Santa Monica Boulevard heading toward Armacos Avenue with a gun. So that's, oh gosh. yeah, so that's, uh, that's why. So behind the scenes, ladies and gentlemen, I'll leave all this in. Uh, <laughs> Zach and Diallo actually both live in uh, Santa Monica, so they're only a couple miles away from each other. So when Diallo had the helicopter, it's probably the same one that's now overhead of uh, of Zach. So it's it's great. I'm I'm uh, in Oregon though, so hey, I mean, like Santa Monica <laughs> was just listed as one of the uh, crime capital of California. I oh just my rec- god! Recently, yeah. So Jeez. it's uh, rough streets out here, man. Rough on them streets, baby. Yeah. Rough streets, baby. <laughs> Maybe you guys need some uh, a central organization of police specialists <laughs> to, to control the crime. Nice, nice segue. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Cops, 1988 through 89. It's an acronym. It stands for Central Organization of Police Specialists. Based on a line of Hasbro action figures designed by comic book artist Bart Sears, who I know Diallo knows. I know Bart Sears. You know him from Wizard Magazine from when he used yeah, to teach you Wizard how to draw Mag- yeah, Wizard busty, Magazine busty women. <laughs> I actually know him more from, I mean, I know him from Wizard Magazine covers, but he did Justice League uh, Europe. Yep. And yep. he, the, the, oh my God, like those issues. For his power, his power girl. Yeah, yeah. his power girl. He did Bananas. this, uh, this epics, <laughs> this epic arc uh, with the, with the exterminators, I think they were called. Yeah. It, oh, so good. Anyways, go ahead. Yeah. So, side, side note, Bart Sears is actually probably one of my favorite comic book artists of all time mm-hmm. who like, I've barely read that much of his because I think he does a lot of this stuff to the side. So mm-hmm. he basically, um, uh, I'll take a little side tangent in one second just to sort of uh, elaborate on it but uh so the co- it was it was designed uh, a toy series designed by bart sears cops uh was a 65 episode animated series produced by deke uh which i said aired from 88 to 89 and so side note what happened so there i forgot the name of the company it's like mga or something lame like that yeah it's got, it doesn't have a great like name MGA. but it was like a toy Generic. think tank uh, where basically, I guess, artists and stuff could submit toy ideas, and then they could parlay that into something, right? And here, Bart Sears created this Cops and Robbers toy line, and the toys look very much like his design. And if you're aware of Bart Sears' style, you know what we're talking about. He's got a very specific chin and everything. Um, and then they actually translated that into the show design as well. Zach is holding up uh, his his design his toys of uh, BB Vess and uh, Big Boss. And uh, we'll, we'll post these on our... Uh, Zach will take pictures and we'll post them on Instagram. What are they he's, doing? He's, he's making he's, them have he, sex. They're having I'm, sex. That's, how that's dare you? He's giving them a piggyback ride what the what is wrong with you perverts Um, the cartoon uh was rerun in 1993 under the new name cyber cops uh to not be confused with the cops reality show that debuted in 1989 
The Tops animated series focuses on a team of highly trained, specialized police officers as they protect Empire City from Big Boss and his gang. It's a very, very simple premise, but, uh, you know, it's it's fun to go off of. Um, before I can't I wait sp- to go off on it. <laughs> before I dive into the some of the characters and everything, um, I will say that the that there's a connection between cops and G.I. Joe. Um, it's a shared universe, just like I believe uh, G.I. Joe is a shared universe with Gem and Mask um, uh, and something else. Uh, well, Transformers, of course, uh, but something else. Um, oh, so, uh, Inhumanoids. Yeah, there also. you go. Inhumanoids. That's right. Um, so a character in on Cops, his name was Checkpoint, and he's related to Beachhead. And we find this out um, on on the back of the toy cards, which were so the G.I. Joe toys, the their cards had a bio on the back written by Larry Hama. He wrote all of the cops ones as well. So Beachhead's name uh, in G.I. Joe, Beachhead's name was Wayne R. Sneeden. And then Checkpoint's name is Wayne R. Sneeden III. So he's his grandson. And it yeah. mentions that his grandfather worked for a special, you know, specialized military organization. Unlike Zach and Diallo's uh, uh, voice actors on, on their shows, the voice actors on Cops, I actually don't really know from from much. Um, Ken Ryan, who played Agent Baldwin P. Uh, Vess, a.k.a. Bulletproof Vess, uh, the only thing I know him from is he played a character in Defcon 4, a movie that Zach and I reviewed, I think, in Season 2 of Podcasting After Dark. We we reviewed it because it has the, uh, the best movie poster of all time, but not the best movie to go with it, unfortunately. Big Boss was uh, the main bad guy. Big Boss was uh, voiced by Lynn Carlson, but he's imitating Edward G. Robinson the entire time. And if you don't know who that is, younger listeners, yeah, yeah, see? Yeah, see? I'm going to see the same cover, see? It's it's that voice. uh, Like shoes? Like cement shoes? Yeah. It's so... You know what it is. Right when you hear it, it's supposed to be a gangster voice, you know? Um, But I, I actually like what he's doing personally. Uh, Paul De La Rosa is Berserko, who was the nephew of Big Boss. That guy's done like a lot of actually like like TV and movie stuff, like not a lot of like voice work. He's the one that is Zach called out, like you know the dumb one that everyone you know every show of this time had to have somebody like that. You know, uh, Doctor Bad Vibes, a name that you know clearly is not trying to hide anything. Uh, it's kind of on the nose. Um, it was played by Ron Rubin. Uh, he's done like X-Men. He played Morph on X-Men. He did some voices on on Beetlejuice. He was Artemis on Sailor Moon, the American version, 95 to 2000. Uh, a lot of he's, Care Bear stuff. He sounds like he's in a, uh, he's in a Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem cover band for, <laughs> Dude, totally. right? for the Muppets. Yeah. Uh, um, and then like, like, so again, like I said, not a lot of people that I actually recognize, uh, unlike the other two shows we've discussed, PJ Longarm O'Malley voiced by John Stocker, 
Um, we have Rex Bowser Pointer, voiced by Nick Nichols. Um, we have a, one Sundown, voiced also by Lynn Carlson. Uh, we do have a, a female, uh, Susie Mirage Young, voiced by Elizabeth Hanna. Um, and honestly, it goes on, and I, I, I skimmed through the voice voice work, and I just I did not recognize anybody uh i'll throw it to you guys anybody jump out at you uh for anything no not not that i'm familiar with um you know nothing and and i actually find that very refreshing to have such a huge uh cast because this has a really big cast if you think about it there's a lot of characters on this show yeah uh and for them mostly for for most of them to be unknown to me anyways yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah, me too. Me too. Honestly, and and they did a great job. They all did great jobs on the voices. It's just you know, it's it's just weird looking through this and not seeing a Frank Welker or an Oppenheimer. You know, that all the, the the stables that we're so used to at this point. Yeah, um, I also want to point out really quick. It's a uh, cops and crooks. Cops and crooks. That's the toy line. That's right. That in crooks is also uh, an acronym as well. Although I'm yes. not. Uh, Hold on. Yep, I'm not quite sure what that stands for. But I'd say the toys for this were a big, big selling point. For me personally, Zach's holding them up. They are freaking huge. They they are they're not GI Joe size. They're five inches, I think. They're like they're like um inhumanoid size for the main characters there. They're almost they're not quite, but I'd say they're almost Centurion size. But they are beefy. They are like solid plastic. Their play gimmick was that, like the the RoboCop toys, they came with a gun that you could feed those uh, paper poppers through those you caps. Know, yeah. yeah, there you go. Those paper rolled up caps through caps for cups. And and it was great, dude. I miss that smell, that sulfur smell from back in the day and everything. I love that. Couldn't do it that nowadays. Bestest filled sulfur smell. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But that that was the gimmick. Uh there was some uh there was the hell they put out the helicopter, they put out the car and everything. Uh they had a bunch of of the the cops. They also had a bunch of the crooks. My personal favorite was Buttons McBoom Boom. Uh he kind of like had this zoot suit that you could open up a double breasted jacket that you open up and had he had machine guns uh in his chest so he's probably kind of like a a, a, a you know cyborg himself um kind of like bulletproof vest is um but there is an overall aesthetic of like modern what is zoot suits from that's from the 30s right 20s and 30s uh, yeah 20s and 30s yeah so it has that style it's it's like a it's like a modern zoot suit style with with uh you know cybernetic enhancements that I really enjoyed. Even the vehicles themselves, you could tell, were kind of tried to be designed after like that era of cars and everything. And then the way Big Boss talks, it's supposed to be like Al Capone in that yeah, whole 1920s. era. Yeah, it's supposed to be all of that, but just in modern times. And I, I honestly loved it. I loved the toys. Uh, I love the cartoon, but I think I'd, as a kid, I'd love the toys more. I watched the cartoon. I like that it's bookended as a case file. Every episode yeah, so is a case file. I think that's really fucking cool for them to do that. Um, and then even have like a roster at the end of it that I thought was, you know, kind of cool too for you to get to know the characters. Um, but as much as I watched the cartoon, 
I gotta say, I probably played with the toys more. And I also read the comic book. I think uh, DC Comics put out the comic as well. Um, I had the very first issue. I think I still have it in my mom's basement. But this is one of those shows, rewatching it for TV Obscura, it's one of those shows that I haven't really thought about in like 30 years. But rewatching it, I realized how big it was for me as a kid and how much I loved it as a kid. And I, I will say that I, I very much enjoyed Bionic 6 more of the three that we watched, but I loved all three of them that we did watch. And I loved this. I was like, you know what? I see why I gravitated towards towards as a kid and everything. Um, my only kind of pushback was that in the first episode, you know, it was pretty violent. Zach and I were talking about it offline. Um, and then they had actual guns with bullets in it to kind of illustrate bulletproof vests, uh, chest and everything. But after that, they don't really have a lot of guns on here. Even the one character that has a bazooka, it's like a laser thing. Um, there's not a lot of guns. And I actually watched three episodes because I was trying to find out if the guns were going to be lasers or if they were going to stay bullets. And I never saw another gun again. And you know what? Didn't bother me. Didn't bother me whatsoever because every single episode was highly, highly entertaining. So... Diallo, uh, any any thoughts uh, or, or what were your uh, you know connections to cops back in the day, and what did you think of it now? Uh, just real quick, I, I feel like it's it's interesting that you connected like cops with guns because um, it's really only a, an American thing. Very true. Yeah, yeah good call. True. Good you point. Know, yeah. yeah, yeah, good point. Um, because I think the show, I never even contemplated that idea till you just said it now. Because the show is strong, just. Um, it is them yeah. being yeah. cops, right? Yeah, like, exactly. It's not about like guns or so. Like I, I like guns and enough, but I mean, you know, um, they're so violent. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, it, they're so they're so fin- final. Yeah, um, yeah, they're they're like the you know they're they're like the last resort, you know, sort of. And there's no there's no storytelling in in a lot of uh, gun play. But anyways, uh, the cops is very much like on a very personal level. I think I brought this up maybe in the last episode or uh, one of the last animated ones. It's a very sort of like specialish cartoon for me because it was. I think it was like one of the first and last cartoons I watched in my transition from being like a teenager to an adult so to a man yeah to a man. i was a man, a man baby a man a man a man i was a 17 year old boy when i went away to college which is a it's, i always think about that it's kind of weird i was my parents sent me three thousand miles away <laughs> as a teenager to go to, to, to vermont right yeah yeah to go to school and um and I still was very much into watching cartoons, obviously. And, and again, I like gatekeeping. Like now, everyone does it. <laughs> but as a, like back then, I remember, you know, when I went to school back there, we didn't have. There was no cable. They only got like two channels, and like anything that you watch, pretty much you had to watch in the lounge, right? So. In the afternoon, I remember going to the lounge and watching, like, seeing what cartoons we got, which weren't very many, but then Cops was on. I was like, oh, check this show out. I liked it. And I'll never forget this freaking guy comes in, and he's like, oh, you're watching cartoons? And, and it was just like, yeah. Did he have a sweater tied around his neck? Yeah, yeah. his name was Kip. 
And uh, no, I don't know. <laughs> it was a douche. Name is. Um, actually, I think I do remember. The, I can't remember the guy's name, but all the girls loved him. So maybe I should. Ricky Hargrove. Maybe I shouldn't have. Uh, maybe I shouldn't have been watching cartoons. But his name was Brett. What's the Brett? What's the new uh, Supreme Court justice? <laughs> Kavanaugh. His name was Brett Kavanaugh. Yeah, his name was Brett Kavanaugh. <laughs> Did you boo? He likes his beer. I remember. I just like my beer. Okay. <laughs> Did y'all? You want a booth? What? What are you? What you but I just. I'll never forget him coming in and like. You know, douche. like what saying douche. that, and it, it like it was like it was this instant for me where I like it just kind of tarnished like this thing I love. So I watched it as much as I could, um, but then you know when I came home for the summer, I remember watching it. Then I I, pre- I watched it pretty religiously, but it's again it's one of the it's a funny one because I can't I couldn't even tell you what up ep- like what happened in episodes. Yeah, yeah. it was just I just liked the whole vibe of it. Um, you know, and it was, you know, and again, so woke um, it to me, like having the main character be like a like a black guy that was so authoritative and cool and um, but not in any sort of stereotypical way that blacks are normally portrayed um, when we do get to be on screen. Um, that was and I like sort of responded to that subconsciously, I think. Um, yeah, Biden crime in a future time. And, yeah, uh, baby. Yeah. It just, uh, yeah, I just, I loved the show. Like the, the breadth of uh, characters and designs. It was like a, again, you brought up um, Larry Hama, but it was sort of like a cop's version of G.I. Joe. Not yeah, in the, yeah. not in the exactly. exact style. I mean, there was even that, there was even a character that looked like Junkyard, I think, with the dog. Yeah, yep. yeah. with the dog. The yeah. robotic dog, yeah. yeah. I yeah. love that guy. Um, Me too. He's cool. Yeah, so it was, just, it was like that, but it was more cartoony, you know, you know, the Bart Sears, which, like, years later, when I I knew what, like, I knew Bart Sears designed that, I was like, oh, that's wild, because... Again, go back to those Justice League Europe. If you ever, anybody ever had a chance to read those, he kind of revolutionized the ways, like, Captain Adam was drawn and some other stuff. So He revolutionized the yeah, way. Yeah, I, mean, I, <laughs> I was, trying to, was, I was trying to leave the Power Girl. <laughs> I know. Now, I know what you're trying to do. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it was, it was a great, it was a great show. Um, it was the, it was like the, at the, the, uh, the dusk of my, uh, teenage cartoon watching era and then but it also kind of matched that because it was going into the 90s and I think cartoons were changed from there yeah. on out changed quite a bit um, I think we've talked about that a little bit in the past with like Attack of the Killer Tomatoes and stuff there was like a new sort of like style of animation that was starting to take root so it was like kind of the end of my innocence uh, when it came to cartoons and from there took a little hiatus uh came back some years later with some other stuff so love cops and uh and how do you think it holds up now when you watch when you're watching it now oh it was it was fine i I just like i i actually i don't ever recall seeing the um uh, the premiere before so i kind of it's funny how you were saying you didn't care about like bionic six and how they got their powers whatever i just i never actually thought about how like uh bulletproof became bulletproof he just was just kind of like gi joe characters just kind of that's what they were um but i think as again like with bionic six when i watched it it wasn't like the first episode i was like wondering what happened it was over time watching right i started to think and i guess watching cops i might have had that same thought i guess i don't know 
But and it's cool because like they actually did have the first episode showing you how the team got together. Yeah. And I liked yeah. how the I forgot his name, but the guy with the bazooka. I liked how his costume is just what the the police in right. Philadelphia look like. Like yeah. that's it, it was just the same thing. He just he's wearing he's the sniper. same thing. I, I thought yeah. that was really cool. It it grounded yeah. it in like copness, <laughs> you know. Yeah, because um, at the same time, I don't know, Diallo, if you're gonna remember this. Do you remember? You remember Epic Comics, Marvel's? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you remember in the mid '80s a comic book called Stalkers, uh, drawn mm. by Mark Test uh, Textiera? Textiera, yeah, Tierra, I think it is. Tierra, yeah. Um, the the very first two issues of, of Stalkers, um, I loved that as a kid, and it was like this paramilitary police uh, organization. And the first two ep- issues, like they, they actually they all die at the end of it from a nuclear explosion. It's really Yikes. it's real dark and everything. But as a kid, I kind of related Stalkers and cops being sort of the same huh. thing with these like paramilitary looking police officers and everything but uh that that was just a shot in the dark if you happen to remember that i don't remember stalkers it's uh you you went deep on that one i don't remember i that did at all. that, that like, was a comic book obscura right yeah, there i'm looking <laughs> nice. it up right now oh uh mark vernheiden wrote it it looks like he I think did, he did. Uh, he did a he lot did of the alien, aliens, the alien yeah. stuff for you. I and actually met a, him. I met him at a con, like in in the nineties. He signed my um my trade paperback of the original Alien. Comics. Oh, nice. Yeah, he actually. Yeah. I, I I might be making this up, but I actually think he wrote for a lot of. Uh, I think he wrote some Battlestar Galactica. I don't episode. think you're making that up. I think that's something you and I have discussed way back in the day when we first sort yeah. of like started hanging out and i think i talked about the alien comic books and you're yeah. like oh that guy wrote for you know bsg yeah. and stuff yeah. yeah i think he was a big time like yeah yeah anyway anyway yeah, anyway side, t- <laughs> side tangent side tangent go check out stalkers go check that out and uh yeah uh, uh i know Zach- mark tier oh. mostly from doing that he did uh i think he did, had did a good run in wolverine and did some ghostwriter i think anyways I love his uh, Sabretooth as well, yeah. uh, how he draws Sabretooth. And Birdie, um, Zach, cops, fighting crime in a future time. I loved when uh, when Big Boss says, crime's a-wasting. Ah, see, yeah. I, okay, I, I love this show. I've always loved this show. Uh, I have the the box set from uh, Mill Creek. Mm. I got it for like, you can get it for like $20 on eBay. Oh, nice. Highly recommended. Uh, I have seen almost every episode of this show. Um, the pilot is phenomenal in my opinion, and the toy line is fantastic. It, it they are large versions of the GI Joes, right down to the Kung Fu grip, everything, uh, more detailed, more articulate than, uh, well, same articulation as the, uh, three and three quarter line, but yeah, I think they're like five inches, um, of solid, yeah, solid plastic, baby. <laughs> I, I mean, I have a lot of thoughts. One is like Diallo said, having, having, having your lead character, uh, be a black guy in the late eighties, early nineties for a cartoon is kind of like unheard of, you know, I can't think of any other show where that was. Uh, I mean, the, my, my biggest like action hero that I saw on screen was action. Jackson was Carl <laughs> Weathers. And then I see this and I'm like, this is, it's action Jackson, yeah. you know? And, and like, and I mean that in the highest level of like respect and sincerity. I think it was awesome to see that. I also think it was cool watching two episodes, uh, Bionic Six and Cops. Both the lead characters are African American. It was like, wow, that's 
surprising <laughs> for you know for uh mainstream american cartoons the the first episode of a cartoon series you know you they save that usually uh, roblox was like you know had a big story arc in like episode eight or something of gi <laughs> joe they wait or stalker too you know he wasn't the main guy and how refreshing is it that that bp vest doesn't rap the entire time <laughs> well he doesn't yeah and and you know he's just he's just like a legit cool guy there's yeah. no reference to who he is so like he's the he's the fbi guy you know and he's working with a bunch of white people which is actually pretty funny because it's like everybody else in the town is white except for him and i think they introduce other uh ethnic characters as the time goes on like other ethnicities like you know, uh, like I think there's an Asian character. Like there's all these tokens, of course, because it's, you know, it, it prescribes to that formula. But at least the lead guy was like, you know, he, I, I look at him and I'm like, dude, they could redo this as a TV, as a movie now. And I could see a million dudes playing this. Back in the day when Wesley Snipes was on fire, that would be Wesley Snipes right there. Like when he was at the top of his game, right? Um a couple things that I that I noticed. I'm like, the music sounds really familiar. It sounds like real Ghostbusters to me. Well, like I said, uh, with Bionic 6, uh, Thomas Chase and Steve Rucker, they also worked on Cops, and so did Shuki Levy and Haim Sabin. Mm. So uh, you've got, you know, some A-caliber composers working on this show. Which is interesting because I, I found this this intro I, I always love the animation and i love that it told this cool like ongoing story it's almost like a one take type of thing one take shot type of thing yeah but the music is so forgettable to me in the intro here well it, it's it's the incidental music is what reminded okay. me of ghostbusters because if you listen to the incidental music in the real ghostbusters show it's almost the same like okay. that like very subtle yep. you know very subtle stuff and um i loved it all i mean i i the, the, i couldn't get enough of the toy line back in the day they had this one character he wasn't called big Tex, but he was like this big kind of country western dude uh sheriff that they got from texas i think he was so cool looking like every single figure looked different unique had great accessories your boom boom character like the, the guns come out of his chest how and, awesome is and that? he comes with a buttons mcboom boom came tommy with a, a tommy gun that went into the the guitar case like yes the, it was so awesome the characters were yeah so Before good el man. mariachi well actually el mariachi got that from django the uh, uh original western from the late from the 70s if you've never seen the original django go check it out it's awesome um yeah it, it, top to bottom i love the violence i love the level of violence because it's like let's be honest guys these are th these are criminals and they're cops so there's got to be violence cars are blowing up yeah. you don't see people jumping out like they did in gi joe people <laughs> are dying in car crashes on the freeway it is violent as hell when bp gets hit like when he gets injured brutal. the first time, it was yeah. intense. I was he like, got a giant brick on his face. <laughs> he had a brick was... on his face. I like how they had to remove it. They're like, who is this? Oh my God, it's BP. It was, that was so brutal. I was watching it like, wait, like, does he die? And they like, like his twin brother comes because there's no way he survives this. 
<laughs> no, and and in the way he kind of has him a his new transformation, yeah. The, yeah, right. The way he has his transformation arc is brilliant. It, like it was a setup all along, you know. Yeah. And it's so you can watch the pilot. It's two episodes actually, uh, forty minutes long. It's so good. And and like Corey said, I love the narration in the case files. It feels like you're watching like Law and Order for kids. Yeah, it's just so cool. Yeah. It's it's I love the show so. It's my favorite of the three. And Did it was you, Bodhi's favorite of the three, too. I was, okay, I was going to ask, what was, yeah, the Bodhi rating on, on that one? This is his favorite? Top to bottom, it was Cops, Bionic 6, Battle of the Planets, which I kind of expected. Okay, okay. Um, it, it, I was looking at your dog behind you, and I lost my, tra- my oh. train of thought. Oh, I know what I was going to say. Uh, Zach, did you own any of the vehicles? I only own the figures. I only own the figures, too. Uh, I remember... The vehicles kind of being expensive. Uh, the figures were expensive well, because they were bigger. The, 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 the figures were so big themselves. That's going to facilitate the, the 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 vehicles being giant as well. And I they do were. remember them being like massive. It was limited. You can actually. I've gone on eBay just you know purely out of uh, sport <laughs> and sit to see what they're going for. You can still get the 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 figures and the vehicles for a pretty decent price. Um, yeah, shout out again, BP, he comes with like, you know, a suitcase with a, and you open up the suitcase, it's steel suitcase that has a handcuff that attaches to his wrist. There's like a phone, cell phone in there. It's all like, um, tech stuff. You know, when that, you know how like Star Wars would do that too? You couldn't take it off of the thing, yeah, but it was like molded. three dimensional. Yeah, yeah. Mold of like a cell phone and a top secret file and some other stuff but, in there. But his jacket is soft goods, right? Like it's yeah, actually. His jacket is soft and it's, it's like velvet on the inside and, and fabric, uh, cotton on the outside. N- knowing and, what I know about toys, dude, and toy manufacturing, having soft goods like that in there, that's a big deal, dude. Like that takes extra work and everything to, to do you know the whole thing is just awesome the whole toy line is great so bingo bango done bingo bango bongo <laughs> yeah i meanwhile I, offline diallo sent us pictures of his gotcha man figures and those are gotta get your gotcha man guys those are rad too yeah oh, well lots of post all of those i i'm sure i have my buttons mcboom boom in my mom's basement somewhere but uh i wish i had it here i really I, really do I have no Bionic 6 figures because those things were actually pretty heavy. Yeah, because they were made of metal. They were made of metal except for that one plastic part. So so final thoughts on all three. I'll just kick it off. Um, Love Cops because it's such a nostalgic love for it. Uh, I think I think it holds up well. I think it's great. Everything we just said, the toy line was fantastic. The designs of the characters are fantastic. And I honestly love the fact that the lead is an African-American. Um, you know, it's just that's not it would have been nice to have more African-Americans uh, in the roster, you know, but I'm happy that the lead was. Um, but for me, the breakout was uh, Bionic 6. I, I never expected to enjoy it as much as I did. I think the um, the character design and the animation uh the in-show animation really helps to uh to elevate it uh, i think the only thing that really holds it back is the uh the, the villain designs and i am so happy that i finally got to see 
Battle of the Planets, a.k.a. G-Force, a.k.a. Gatchaman, maybe not in its proper form, but I got enough to see it to know that I would like to see more and I would like to see it in its proper form. Now, that being said, I do find it sad that... You know, like Diallo said, the rights went back in 2015 or something like that, or 10. So, like, right now, we don't quite have something to, to latch on to. But I do ha have high hopes that, that this will lead the way for maybe a resurgence in America. Because, I mean, everyone who grew up on anime knows what the who, what these characters are, they, the way they look and everything. They're iconic. And uh, I, I think just that alone, nostalgia alone, I think that that could be the easiest one to reboot here in in America would be G four slash Gachamon. Uh, Diallo, thoughts on on final thoughts on all three? Um, yeah, so if I'm ranking them, I put Cops at three, I put Bionic Six at two, and then obviously um, Battle Planets Gachaman at one. But that's like me comparing three of my favorite foods. Um, yeah, not. Uh, doesn't mean anyone is terrible or any less. Yeah. I, I loved all of them. I was really, when I knew you guys were picking the shows that you picked, I was really excited because I already have seen them. And I obviously love, especially Bionic 6, I love uh, to death. I actually would be really interested in sort of seeing a reboot of Bionic 6, um, quite like they did with like Voltron um, that was on Netflix. Yes, yeah. that Voltron cartoon is probably the best example of a reboot that does, that just... It takes everything you wanted to know more of yeah. and then trims the fat of the stuff that didn't work. Mm -hmm. And I agree with you. I think Bionic 6 would make a great, great reboot because it would also give you a chance to redesign those villains. And yeah, everything. exactly. Yeah, Voltron just made everything. Yeah, everything that didn't work, they made work. And it took you on a journey. And oh, I love I love that's one of my all time favorite like reboots of anything next to Battlestar Galactica. Same, same buddy. <laughs> same, yeah, Battlestar Galactica, same, same, yeah. my friend. <laughs> um, and then, uh, yeah, obviously, uh, Gachaman is like, that's like, I find when I'm doing ears, there's elements of that in there. Um, my, my team flies around in a jet, you know. Um, and while we were doing uh, the, the show, I actually was on the internet and I found, I finally found the, uh, the Blu-ray uh, ex uh, exclusive extra edition of uh, Gatchaman that has the original, like the the redubbed 105 episodes. Um, I just purchased it. <laughs> nice. <laughs> what did you find on? E was it on eBay? It was, or on, it was on Amazon. Yeah, there's probably they're probably on eBay, but I was can, looking on Amazon. Can, and I found it. Can you send me the link when we get off? <laughs> yeah, well, there was, <laughs> a, there was. I think I said there was the last one. Oh, you son of a bitch! Yeah, it was. A, it was a lot. It was a hundred. <laughs> it was a hundred. It was a lot. Is oh like, god well never mind yeah, never mind yeah, <laughs> but i i just was like wait a minute <laughs> i haven't watched i've been kind of thinking about wanting to watch it. i i might have looked it up like a few months ago so i just pulled the trigger this time so anyways nice. i absolutely love it can't wait to watch them all again and um yeah i got Jamon as my is my one Zach, uh, what, were, what are your final thoughts? We know what uh, we know. Bodhi thought uh, of them, although he did, he didn't really say Bionic Six. Was he just kind of eh, whatever lukewarm on it? Yeah, he, it wasn't. It wasn't as like he was he was kind of into it, but not as heavily into it as Cops. I'm cops shocked, was his actually was yeah. He, cops was I was I was surprised too. I'm like, you know, when there's a scene where uh, JD slash IQ 
walks through a uh, fence with this amulet yeah. that he's wearing. It's and I'm like, isn't that cool? And he's like, yeah, it's okay. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, you've just been wowed by everything else. Uh, yeah. Final thoughts. Uh, out besides Bodie, uh, I love just the uh, cops. I love Bionic Six. I was reminded of how much I loved it. And Battle of the Planets was a pleasant surprise, and I I was so happy that it lived up to the expectation after not seeing it all these decades yeah. later. Um, just, yeah, I, I'm so glad we covered all three of these shows, and they all fit so well together. The great teams, um, and there's some teens in there that are great, too, so there you go. <laughs> Touche, touche. <laughs> I'm happy. I'm happy overall. <laughs> Me too. Me too. This was a, this was fun. This was great to get back into the swing of things after such a wild uh, uh, month. Uh, Zach and I will discuss it more on wrap up after dark uh, th- this past month and everything. But it was great to get back to this. It was great to uh, podcast with uh, you know you guys and just get back on the horse. It felt it felt wonderful, and this was a great way to do it. All three of these shows were absolutely fantastic, uh, almost as fantastic as the shows that both of you all produce podcasting wise. Diallo, uh, what's uh, what's going on with First Noel Chronicles, my friend? Um, there's been an unofficial pause on it because um, I've been too depressed to function and exist. <laughs> it's <laughs> but, okay. It's understandable. <laughs> but no, I have uh, I have uh, the next few chapters um, um, getting ready to slide out and launch. Uh, my current plan is to finish uh, book one of the uh, podcast series and have that be a standalone as I'm finishing the actual novel and then First Noel can live there for people to find um, and wait for the rest of the book to come out. So that's my uh, my current plan. And uh, yeah, just keeping keep on keeping on with all the other stuff. Um, starting to work on some new stuff and um, having some new ideas and just uh, watching the world go round and round and or burn to the ground. So <laughs> a little bit of both. Yeah. A, little a little bit, bit of both. both. I, I feel you, buddy. Yeah. It's uh, as, as a creative. And I think all three of us are, are artists. All three of us are creative. All three of us are sensitive people and everything. And yeah, man, sometimes life just fucking gets you. And I, I totally understand. But you always produce a great show. I think First Noel Chronicles is fantastic, and I hope everyone supports it and uh, go check go checks it out. Especially since Diallo just um, purchased his uh, giant balloon. <laughs> I need. <laughs> he needs money. Go go send already, this man some money, guys. I've already I've made some money with uh, First Noel. I'm officially you, a professional sp- author, but and you spent it to, all on the uh, catch him on. Zach, what's going on with the? It's going. That's all right, buddy. I have a, a massive uh, Amazon uh, uh, credit card bill that I have to pay. <laughs> and it's it's like 80% Blu-rays. So uh, oh, I, wow. I feel you, brother. I feel you. <laughs> Zach, uh, what's going on with $2 late fee these days? What you, uh, we're wrapping up August, I guess. What's uh, what's coming in September? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's been busy over at $2 late fee. We did some kind of out-of-the-box episodes, uh, Tales from the Video Store for the free feed versus our Patreon uh, we've got a great interview coming up with Craig Saffin. He is the composer for uh, Remo Williams' The Adventure Begins, The Last Starfighter, Legend of Billie Jean, 
and he contributed probably one of the best songs to the Thief soundtrack directed by Michael Mann. So we're we're doing a little James Kahn tribute uh, and then a follow-up interview with Craig Saffin in the month of September. And yeah, I just booked out uh, October and now close to November. Diallo's going to be on in November. We'll talk about that later. Uh, and then December is, re- yeah, we've got... Oh, We've got it all no. booked up. That was the first time we've heard her. I'm, oh, I'll, I'll keep that in. I'll leave that in. She barked at her own reflection. So That's so um, cute. She, she's been, honestly, she's guys and gals. Zach, new dog, just, just got a new dog today. We recorded this entire episode, not as peep. From that that sweet sweet little girl, and uh, she sat by my side almost the entire time. Yeah, so so, so I'm, I'm so happy you got a dog, buddy. It's uh, I can't wait for uh, Myra and I to get one. We need to get one that's hypoallergenic because uh, Myra has uh, horrible allerg- allergies to dogs. So. Well, if you want to hear the whole story uh, of how this dog came into our lives, uh, check out our wrap up after dark. Oops. episode that will be uh rec- we're recording it actually two days after we record this yeah so uh it'll be up for this month and you guys will enjoy that story and more from Corey and i and, you, you uh, might not enjoy it- my stories as much but uh <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll get into it and uh yeah n- now that i'm now that we're back in the studio back on the the wagon um i've scheduled out Pretty much all through October uh, for podcasts after dark. Yeah. And uh, so next month, Zach and I are uh, tackling two Patreon uh, chosen films. Uh, so one from Aaron and one from Robert Ortiz. And uh, so we're going to stack them both back to back. Zach's going to tackle Aaron's and I'm going to break down Robert's and uh, keep a lookout for what those are going to be. But uh, if you want us to review a movie of your choosing, then join it. Join that tier on Patreon, the highest level, and we will do that. Uh, you can also check out the next to highest level tier and uh, for The Carpenter Factor, The Tour de Force, a title that Zach named. Very great title, by the way. And uh, right now we are covering The Carpenter Factor, which is John Carpenter's films, uh, pretty much this year and next year. We're going through them uh, movie by movie in order of his catalog. Uh, we have some guest, uh, guests on those episodes with us and everything and it's a it's a lot of fun and we're having a great time doing it and it's awesome to sort of look at movies individually but also look at them as a part of a whole catalog and that's what we're really trying to do with the carpenter factor so go check out podcast after dark on patreon zach and i have a lot of stuff going on over there uh yeah every month all kinds of good shit happening so so much good stuff so much good stuff it's the good stuff. It's the good. That By the way, and you can racist. cut this if you want, but I just thought that for September for TV Obscura, we could do a back to school episode and we could choose either uh, school TV shows or a or a school like uh, after school specials. Oh, man, I know. I know a few after school specials off the top of my head. Um, uh, I'm 100% on board with that. I am not cutting this. Zach just called it. We're doing back to school <laughs> next month. I already um, got my episode. Yeah, so, I got so mine too. I, nice. I don't, but um, I'll, I'm sure I will. And then the following month will be October, so we're going to do some kind of Halloween special, whether it's like 
you know, scary shows, or we're going to do Halloween specials. But we have, we have a time. We have time to figure it out. We have time. Yeah. So, uh, but Diallo, just as an FYI, I scheduled out through October as well. So you we can check that still out. haven't done Werewolf. That was one of the first things we talked about. And I think we were we were waiting for the Blu-ray to come out. Okay. Uh, and I think it's never coming, coming out, out. Yeah. see every discussion we've ever had yeah. about music <laughs> rights uh on tv shows and guys and gals this is getting fucking ridiculous the, like i get it everyone should get paid i totally understand but if it means your your pre- piece of property like werewolf just disappears into obscurity like like who does that help how does that help anybody you know what no I mean? one so yeah it's Diallo. like it's all the accountants and stuff. I mean, look at look at what's going down with the HBO Max now. Oh my know? god, the whole HBO Max thing is a fucking debacle. I just I told Myra yesterday cancel HBO Max. I that was one of my favorite streaming services. It was, and now, yeah, dead. it rose to the top for every like yep. almost everybody. Everybody's like, yeah, that's my favorite one, and it's just you're watching it just. It's to die. You're yeah, watching it die crazy. on the vine. It's, it's, it's wild. Yeah. So yeah. So streaming, sir. Yeah. It, it's insane. But yeah, Diallo, I'm with you, buddy. I'm a hundred percent on board with discussing Werewolf if we can actually somehow get a hold of that fucking show. Um, but yeah, guys and gals, check out everything that's going on over at the BFOP Network. Check out all the shows that we have: Talking Back, Blast from Our Past, Throwback Trivia Takedown. Uh, you know the routine: Cartwright Seinfeld Podcast, Blast from Our Past. You know. All those shows, but also check out the friends of our network. Check out Two Dollar Lafey. Check out uh, fucking. Uh, I got tongue tied. Sorry. <laughs> check out First Noel Chronicles. Check out Ready to Retro. Donna of the Dead. Manic Movie Monday. All of our friends. Uh, give me back my action movies. Give me back my horror movies. We have a, a great collection of friends. Uh, in the podcasting world and uh, we love everybody and we appreciate everyone and we appreciate everyone who's producing content on the regular basis because you guys are the heroes of the world and the people who pay for it the patreon members you are the heroes of the heroes so thank you you all so much indeed (laughs) and as always catch you on the obscure side Be sure to subscribe to Podcasting After Dark and give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Support Podcasting After Dark on Patreon. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Podcasting After Dark. And visit us next time for another installment of Podcasting After Dark with Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. And I'm Corey. And we are the hosts of Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. We are breaking down every single episode of Seinfeld as we watch it, reliving this amazing show. That's right. It's a trip down memory lane for all of us 90s kids out there. You can find Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Patreon. La la la.